are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. We have a first-time co-host today, Avery Shaughnessy Comfort, Executive Director of the Presque Isle Light Station in Pennsylvania. Thanks for being part of the Lighthearted family, Avery. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. I'm excited to be part of the Lighthearted family. Well, it's great to have you on board, Avery. Today is September 17th, and this is episode 243 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll hear an interview about the Door County Maritime Museum and its lighthouse festivals. Avery, you were a guest on this podcast uh, just a few months ago, uh, in June, I believe it was. Your organization actually cares for three historic lighthouses, and I believe this is a special year for Presque Isle Lighthouse. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, We celebrated our 150th birthday this year in July, uh, 150 years of the Presque Isle Lighthouse being an active aid to navigation. We had a lot of fun this summer sharing that with our visitors, and we've seen over 14,000 people this year. And very soon we should have an update for all of you on the North Pier Light and our um, application process with them, with the National Park Service. Excellent. That's all. That all sounds good. 14,000. Is that a record year for you? Actually, no. Um, I think last year was the record with just over 15,000. So hoping we get close this year, though. Yeah. Well, it's still a, a good year for sure. I hope you had a cake for the anniversary. We did. We had a beautiful cake with the Presque Isle Lighthouse smack dab in the middle of the cake. It was delicious and it was perfect. <laughs> Excellent. That's the most important thing with an anniversary. you got to have cake. Uh, so, uh, you know, personally, I've seen more than 500 lighthouses. I have a long way to go to see all the lighthouses on the Great Lakes and all the lighthouses in the U.S. I, I don't necessarily expect to do that. I've only seen a little bit of Wisconsin so far. Hope to see more. Today's subject is the Door County Maritime Museum in Sturgeon Bay, which is in the northeastern part of Wisconsin. I know you're nowhere close to that. I think you're something, I was looking on Google Maps and I think you're something like 10 hours from there, but have you been to that area at all? I have not. I've never been to Wisconsin, but every time that I have a visitor that comes from Wisconsin and tells me about all of their lighthouses, I'm just more and more interested to learn more about all of them and what they're doing. And I'm always happy to, you know, check out research uh, Great Lakes Lighthouses. So I'm really excited to hear more about this one. And especially since they also have multiple sites like we do, it's always inspirational to hear from other sites, what they're doing, what programs they have, and how they reach out to their communities. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And of course, Door County that we're going to be talking about today is a a lighthouse rich area for sure. Uh, I definitely uh, have that on my bucket list to get to that area. I'd love to go during one of their Door County Lighthouse Festivals. Uh, So, Avery, please help me tell our listeners about the Door County Maritime Museum and our guest today. Sure. So the Door County Maritime Museum, as you said, is in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. It is dedicated to showcasing the area's rich maritime roots. The museum's exhibits spotlight fishermen, ship captains, skilled craftsmen, inventors, and lighthouse keepers, among others who have contributed much to the area for centuries. The 110-foot-tall Jim Cress Maritime Lighthouse Tower, a new attraction at the museum, changes colors to recognize important historic moments. Inside the tower are 10 floors of exhibits and a maritime theater. The museum's other activities include a wooden boat building class, a maritime speaker series, and a robotics program. And among the museum's most popular offerings are the Door County Lighthouse Festivals that are held each spring and fall. 
The festivals include air, land-based, boat, and adventure tours that provide access to all 11 of the lighthouses of Door County and three additional lighthouses to the south. Many of the tour excursions are unique to the Lighthouse Festival weekends and provide visitors exclusive access to lighthouses not typically open to the public. In addition, Cana Island Lighthouse, built in 1869, is owned by Door County and managed by the Door County Maritime Museum. Visitors are taken across a causeway to the island via hay wagon, and tours include a sweeping view of Lake Michigan and the Door County Peninsula. I just love that about the the hay wagon. It's pretty pretty unique, and uh, I talked. Very unique. <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to do that. We have a hay wagon at a local uh, apple orchard here, but I've never heard of one going to a lighthouse. It's really cool. I, I haven't either. Maybe I'll consider that for our lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, so Sam Perlman is the deputy director and development manager for the Door County Maritime Museum and Lighthouse Preservation Society. I had a chance to speak with Sam recently. Let's listen to that conversation now. Speaking today with Sam Perlman, who is the Deputy Director and Development Manager for the Door County Maritime Museum in Wisconsin. I should say Door County Maritime Museum and Lighthouse Preservation Society to get the full full proper name in there. So thanks so much for being with me today, Sam. Absolutely, Jeremy. It's our pleasure. And uh, thanks for the invitation. Um, and then one minor correction, we are the Door County Maritime Museum and Lighthouse Preservation Society Incorporated. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry about that. I left off the incorporated. That yeah, that's obviously the important. Formal name of the organization, um, but we just like to call ourselves the Door County Maritime Museum, or just DCMM. DCMM. I like that. It's a lot easier. It takes about five <laughs> minutes to say it. Otherwise, yeah. So again, thank you so much. And before we get into talking about the museum and about the the lighthouse festivals. Uh, you're involved with and uh, Lighthouse Stewardship also you're involved with. Let's just start a little bit with your personal background. I'm wondering how long have you been there with the museum? What led to your to your position there? Sure. Well, I have been with the Door County Maritime Museum. Um, it'll be five years uh, in September of 2023. Uh, I came to the museum um, slightly roundabout, but almost directly from 14 years with the Door County um, Economic Development Corporation. So I was doing business development, entrepreneurship, managing all sorts of federal grants and revolving loan fund programs. And that's really where I got my deep, deep interest and uh, knowledge of Door County and the, the, the Door County, especially the business community, uh, as well as the nonprofit community. I imagine that experience is extremely helpful in your position, but I'm also wondering if you had an interest in maritime history or anything like that before you, you went there? Um, I am, I'm a museum buff and always have been. Uh, I had no specific interest in maritime history. People uh, ask, you know, are you a museum person? Are you a museum professional? Uh, I am not. Uh, really, I, I like to half joke that uh, my profession is, is knowing Door County. Um, and I know this community pretty darn well. I've lived here for 22 years, worked in a variety of different organizations, volunteered with uh, a lot of organizations and agencies up here. My wife, uh, it, she's the reason I moved here. Um, her family has owned property in Door County since the 1950s. So mm -hmm. it was really just becoming embedded within this community, um, coming to love this area, and really then having the opportunity to 
be a part of this museum and give back uh, a, a tremendous amount to what is really a, a maritime community. You know, the Door County, we're, we're a peninsula and we are surrounded by water. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, what we say at the Door County Maritime Museum is all Door County history is really maritime history um, because everyone who has ever come to this peninsula from the First Nations up until today's tourists, they come here by and or because of the water that surrounds us. Mm -hmm. Nice way to put it. I, I can see that very easily. So I was, of course, Googling you in preparation for this, hope you don't mind. But I, uh, when I uh, was searching for information, I saw that you sometimes give lectures or presentations in the area. What sorts of things do you talk about in those presentations? We do. We have a very, a, a really great in, uh, education program. It's part of the mission of our organization. So making sure that we are not only educating the folks who come to our museum, but that we are bringing museum resources out to the community as well. Um, and when I say the community, uh, I'm not talking about just Sturgeon Bay uh, or just even Door County. I mean, we are trying to actively engage people throughout the Northeast Wisconsin region. And we really see ourselves as a education and cultural resource for all 72 counties within the state of Wisconsin. So we do actively get out, myself and other members of our staff, get out and make presentations to a variety of groups, whether it's school groups, uh, business or community groups. Very recently, I made a presentation uh, to a memory cafe um, for those with um, early and mid-stage mid uh, dementia mm -hmm. uh, and Alzheimer's uh, down in the Appleton area. Um, so that was a program uh, for that group of people, as well as their caregivers. Uh, just recently, I made a presentation to Door Shakespeare uh, here in Door County. They had a nautical theme with one of the plays that they were presenting. Uh, and so they asked me to make a presentation of some museum content. So we do a variety of things. We can talk about shipwrecks. We can talk about lighthouses. Um, we have a presentation that we've done several times called Built for Battle, um, Sturgeon Bay Ships during World War II. Uh, it's not very widely known, but it's uh, pretty unique for a small community in the middle of the country, in the middle of the Great Lakes. Um, Door County is a, remains today an active shipbuilding center. And during the 1930s and 1940s, in the run-up to and then during the Second World War, um, we had four active shipyards in Sturgeon Bay. And they were, between those four shipyards, launching a new vessel every five days throughout the war years. So um, it's important that folks understand that what has gone on in this you know, small rural community, again, in Northeastern Wisconsin, has had a global impact. Uh, the mm -hmm. vessels that uh, were built here in Door County in the 1930s and 1940s served in every theater of war around the globe during the Second World War. Uh, the warships that were built here in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, some of them are still out there today. Uh, the vessels that are built at Cherry Bay Shipbuilding also have a global impact. So um, it's, it's important that we recognize and share that important place in all global maritime history that Door County has had. That's a pretty incredible history and uh, outreach is so important. I'm sure it's a big, big part of what the museum does. So uh, let's get a little more into detail about the museum itself, Door County Maritime Museum. When people go there, what is there for people to see actually at the museum? 
Well, so we actually, we like to say that we are one history, three ports of call. So we have three main museum locations. We have our main museum here in Sturgeon Bay uh, between the two downtown bridges on the working waterfront of Sturgeon Bay. We also have the Death's Door Maritime Museum, which is a smaller museum at the tip of the peninsula. Uh, that museum mostly focuses on shipwrecks as well as commercial fishing. Uh, mm -hmm. That's actually where our organization was founded uh, up in the northern part of the, of the county back in 1969. And then we also operate and manage the Cana Island Lighthouse on behalf of the County of Door and the County Parks Department. So mm -hmm. three locations of all unique and all interesting. We'll, uh, and I will say uh, here in Sturgeon Bay, we also we have the museum proper and then we also have um, the largest artifact in our collection and our in-water exhibit, which is the historic tug John Purvis, um, built in 1919, served during both World War One at the tail end of World War One, as well as during World War Two. And both the John Purvis, Cana Island Lighthouse, and Death's Door Maritime Museum are all open seasonally. So they are open May, th May 1st through October 31st every year. And then the museum here in Sturgeon Bay is open basically seven days a week year round. So starting again up at, uh, up at, at Death's Door, up in Gills Rock at the tip of the peninsula, uh, again, a focus on the commercial in fishing industry, which is still a big part of Door County's economy today. Um, and then shipwrecks. For those who don't know, um, so it is Door County. Um, the name Door County comes from the name of the, the passageway between the tip of the peninsula and Washington Island. Um, it's very treacherous um, because you have the warmer waters of the bay interacting with the cooler waters of Lake Michigan. You can have currents that are going in different directions than the winds very often. And there were many, many shipwrecks. Um, even before European explorers got here, there was a well-known history of tragedy and uh, on in that passage. So coming from the native population that first lived here, and then the French, um, they named it uh, Port de Mort, or mm -hmm. Death's Door. Yeah. And figuring that, uh, you know, Death County probably wouldn't be a really good marketing turn, they called it Door County instead. So we are Door County, Wisconsin. <laughs> and the Death Store Maritime Museum uh, is right near um, the Port de Mort Passage. So it talks about all the shipwrecks, many of the shipwrecks that have occurred in that area. Uh, related to the commercial fishing industry, we have a full-size uh, Great Lakes fishing tug enclosed in the museum that guests can climb aboard and walk around and really see. We have a terrific, relatively new exhibit about the Washington Island Ferry Line, which is a vital link between the peninsula and the island community. There are about 700 folks who live on Washington Island year-round. Uh, so it's that is a, a crucial link. Uh, we have a part of our exhibit and part of our collection of antique outboard motors are on display up there. We have a, a beautiful boat restored vessel called the Berry Loon that's also inside the museum at Gills Rock um, that was built on Washington Island. It was restored by two gentlemen from Green Bay and Appleton and then donated back to the museum in the 1990s. Um, so that's a, another highlight of the, uh, of the Death Store Maritime Museum. Um, skipping down to Sturgeon Bay, 
So we have what we call the Legacy Museum. Uh, the building was built in 1996 and opened to the public in 1997 with four main galleries. The recent addition of the Jim Crest Maritime Lighthouse Tower here in Sturgeon Bay was a $9.2 million investment in our community. And it is really what it strives to do is tell a fairly comprehensive story of Door County's maritime history. So it's a 10 story structure. It uh, is the tallest structure in two counties and is the fifth tallest structure in all of Northeast Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And it is filled with interactive, interactive exhibits uh, the, the the process, the experience uh, in the Jim Crest Maritime Lighthouse Tower. Um, you get on the first floor, there's a brief about 10 to 12 minute film. Gives you really sort of an orientation to Door County's history, as well as what you're going to experience in the tower. You take the elevator up to the 10th floor observation deck. That's the working waterfront. Um, seasonably, uh, and then in good, in good weather, um, we do have a rooftop observation deck. So you're able to go up, up beyond that. So really on the 11th floor, the rooftop of the building, um, the building itself is 118 feet tall um, to the top of the cupola. From either the 10th floor or the, the Baumgartner observation deck, you basically have a 360 degree view of Door County's water, waterfront. And you can see, you can't quite see the Lake Michigan, but you can see where the Sturgeon Bay Shipping Canal is and the canal station lighthouse and the uh, canal station coast guard station uh, but then you can see all the way to the north and west into the bay of green bay and at the very far horizon you can see uh green island which is just about 17 miles away from sturgeon bay so it can afford some pretty spectacular and breathtaking views Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. You covered a, a lot of ground there. Obviously, there's a lot, lot to see. And I just want to mention, uh, I recently had uh, Mary Beth Volmer from Friends of Plum and Pilot Island Lighthouses on the podcast. So we talked about uh, Port de Moore and uh, Death's uh, Door Passage and, and all that with her too. But it's good to have a review of that. And I think it was a really smart decision to not call the county Death's Door County. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I should say, so with the, with the Jim Crest Maritime Lighthouse Tower, after you've experienced the, the 10th floor working waterfront, then you work your way down each mm -hmm. floor. The floors are themed. So we start with the geologic origins of the peninsula. We talk about the, the people of the water, the navigation from, the, uh, from Europe, and including, we talk about the original navigators of the Great Lakes who are the, the native population. They were the first people to explore this area by water, you know, dugout canoes and birch bark canoes and things like that. And we talk about the industries uh, that came up around the peninsula. We talk about shipbuilding in particular, recreational boating. We talk about life underwater, everything from the microscopic organisms all the way up to the apex of the Great Lakes, the big sturgeon that live in the in the waters around Door County and, uh, and around Wisconsin. And then at what lies beneath, of course, is shipwrecks, which is one of a lot of people's favorite floors. I'm sure. Uh, so that sounds like an amazing addition. You know, uh, I have to say on a personal level, I haven't been there yet, but uh, I've wanted to get there for a long time, making me uh, 
want to get there even more <laughs> than I did. And it's, it's going to happen. But the uh, the Jim Cress Maritime Lighthouse Tower, where does that name came, come from? Who was Jim Cress? So Jim Cress um, was a, a, obviously a member of the Cress family. Um, that is, uh, he's the son of George Cress, who was one of the founders of Green Bay Packaging. So that is a, a very successful uh, Green Bay-based company. Uh, they have a long history with Door County. Um, their Crest family has been very generous to a lot of different organizations and entities within the county. Jim was a Navy veteran. Uh, he was uh, the president of Green Bay Packaging. Um, he passed away in 2018, um, just before uh, we started construction on the building. Mm -hmm. And really, it was uh, his son, Will, and the George Crest Foundation that wanted to create this legacy uh, for Jim in his memory um, because of, again, his naval connection and because of his love of Door County, all things Door County, and especially sailing the waters around the peninsula. Sure. That sounds appropriate. Green Bay Packaging, a big deal around there. Uh, does that relate to the name of the Green Bay Packers, perchance? Not directly. Okay. Um, Green Bay Packers was actually um, it is the Acme Packers, and that was meat packing. Uh, uh, but uh, Green Bay Packaging uh, makes corrugated uh, boxes. Okay. And that is their one of their main uh, main product lines. And as we learned very well over the last handful of years, uh, everything now comes to your home in a corrugated cardboard box. Mm-hmm. And so they have seen great success with in the in the Amazon era. Oh yeah, I would say so. I've gotten gotten a, a few of those in my time for sure. Uh, so sort of a connection there, but not like you said, not exactly a direct connection. No, that is correct. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. So uh, you, one of the things you mentioned that people can see there is the the tug John Purvis, the historic tug there. Uh, you said a little bit about the history of it already, but. Um, is, so is that itself open for tours? Could people go on that vessel? It is. So the Tug John Purpose, as I said, was built in 1919. Um, it was originally commissioned to be part of the buildup uh, of material during the First World War. War ended before the, the Tug was completed. Um, it did a little bit of service for the Navy as a, uh, a radio repeater down in the Caribbean. And then it was sold as... Uh, government excess. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it was sold to a company in the Great Lakes, operated on the Great Lakes. Uh, with the outbreak of World War II, uh, the Department of Defense said, hey, we built that, we want it back. So they reclaimed it, uh, painted it uh, army gray, put a couple of, uh, of 30 millimeter guns on it, um, populated it with um, army and Coast Guard crew, took it from the Great Lakes up and around through the St. Lawrence Seaway, down through the Panama Canal, and homeported it in Seattle, mm. where it was running supply runs from Seattle out to the Aleutian Islands. Wow. Um, earned three battle commendation ribbons uh, during its time uh, on the, on the, uh, for the U.S. Army. Um, after the war was over, he went back to private ownership. Um, in 1956, um, Captain John Rowan of the Rowan Steamship Company here in Sturgeon Bay purchased it, um, repowered it uh, to a 
single or a, I'm sorry, a double screw steam engine, uh, making it the most powerful tug on the Great Lakes. Uh, it was uh, successfully owned by Captain Rowan until the 1970s. It was sold and changed hands a few times. Uh, it wound up in Michigan with the Andre Company. And in 2003, they donated it to the museum. Uh, it was in, let's say, politely rough shape mm -hmm. um, when it was donated to the museum. Um, and it was donated to the museum under the stipulation that it be rendered um, unstartable, that it would had to be because they never wanted to compete against it. So um, the, the person who led the restoration work was a man by the name of uh, Bob Perlowitz, who unfortunately we just lost um, just a few weeks ago. Uh, Bob had served on the tug um, in his youth and up to being the chief engineer on the tugboat in its time on the Great Lakes. He had retired. Uh, the uh, board of the directors of the museum brought him back and put him in charge of the restoration. Um, the restoration took five years, um, well over a million dollars in cash and in-kind donations. Um, and it was approximately 35,000 hours of restoration work uh, put, put in by a very dedicated group of volunteers. Um, once it opened for tours in 2008, uh, those very same volunteers who had done all the restoration work became our docents, um, with Bob as the chief of the boat. Um, he was able to share stories, um, some of which we could not share with our with the public, um, but we certainly shared amongst ourselves. And to date, the vessel has posted close to 70,000 visitors um, for tours. Again, they are docent-led tours, so you get an incredible, really stem to stern, tour of this 149 foot boat and get a sense of really what life was like for its crew back in the 1950s and 1960s. It is yeah. restored. Um, this year, we are hoping, um, we're waiting to hear on a couple of grant applications, um, but this year um, by November, the Tug John Purvis should be going to dry dock. Uh, she's overdue, it's been about 12 years since the last time uh, it went to dry dock. Uh, again, we're waiting on a couple grants, but once we hear, hopefully the, uh, in the positive that those grants, uh, grant applications are successful, um, Rowan, Steam, Rowan Salvage Company, which is the, uh, the inherited company of what used to be Rowan Steamship Company, which is run by John Rowan Asher, who is John, um, Captain Rowan's grandson, um, they will tow the boat across the canal over to Fink Ontario Bay Shipbuilding. Uh, Fink Ontario will keep the boat all over the winter, do the necessary repairs, and return her back to the museum in time for opening on May 1st of 2024. Fantastic. Uh, boy, that's a well-traveled tug, and it's so great that, yeah, it has the uh, this new life as a historic attraction as being so well cared for. It's great to hear. Uh, so, uh, maybe a little bit about the museum's other activities. I understand there's a wooden boat building school for one thing. We do. We have a small wooden boat building workshop, uh, here in the museum in Sturgeon Bay. We have a very dedicated group of volunteer instructors. Every year they pick a new style of wooden hull 
um, usually anywhere between, well, we were limited to about 17 feet. So nothing really big, um, but they then take a small group of students through the process of building a wooden boat from scratch. I mean, mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Um, this past year, they built a 16 foot Abenaki cedar strip canoe that is absolutely stunning. I mean, the, the, the patience that these guys have, the care that they put into this is truly overwhelming. I mean, when you see, uh, and not so much on, on this vessel, but on previous vessels, um, when every screw is lined, every screw head is lined up in exactly the same way, that's the, the level of detail that these guys put into that. So then they donate that vessel back to the museum and we raffle it off as a fundraiser. Um, so we sell tickets throughout the summer season. Um, we have the boat here on display in the museum in Sturgeon Bay. We take it up to Cana Island sometimes. Um, and then we take it around to various festivals and events throughout the, the Door County summer season. And at the end of the summer season in October, um, at the Sister Bay Fall Festival, we sell the final few raffle tickets and then we pick the winner. The winner gets the boat, um, handmade oars, and a trailer. Um, so it's an amazing opportunity. Uh, and again, by doing this, we're able to preserve that craft uh, and that style of work, workmanship. So uh, we really enjoy doing that. And it does catch a lot of attention. People look at this, people see those boats and they just can't help but coming over and they want to touch it and they want to buy tickets. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I bet, I bet. Uh, wooden boat building is such a such a great tradition, and uh, sounds like a fantastic program. So, uh, why don't we talk about Kena Island Lighthouse for a few minutes? Yeah. Uh, so, first of all, a little bit about its history. When and why was the lighthouse built in the first place? So, Kena Island uh, was built in 1869. Um, it was built at the same time as the Bailey's Harbor Range Lights, mm -hmm. uh, which are in the Ridges Sanctuary. Um, both of those were built to replace a previous lighthouse in Bailey's Harbor, or it's now uh, colloquially known as the, the Birdcage Lighthouse, um, because really that lighthouse was built too low and in not a particularly uh, appropriate location. So Kena and uh, the range lights were built at exactly the same time. Um, you go into the keeper's quarters in both, and they are very, very similar in feel. Um, we should step back and uh, you probably, you know this, but it's worth mentioning again, uh, there are 11 lighthouses um, that sur surround the Door Peninsula. Um, that's more lighthouses per mile of shoreline than anywhere else in the United States. Um, and Cana Island, obviously, is one of the, we think, of course, it's one of the premier lighthouses. And it is certainly one of the most photographed and one of the most iconic um, in Door County. And it's not the oldest. Um, that's Pottawatomie up on Rock Island. Um, but certainly it is uh, amongst uh, the great favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, the museum has had an association with Cana Island since 1971. Um, we started to manage and maintain it when it was still owned by the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, but it was never regularly open to the public at that point. Um, it was not till uh, 2006 when the Coast Guard transferred ownership to the County Parks Department. And then we just transferred our operation and management partnership from the Coast Guard to the County of Door. First thing that was done was a historic structures report 
that laid out a uh, pretty aggressive, uh, really four-phase plan to restore, maintain, and preserve, and open up Cane Island Lighthouse to the public. Um, so that that effort really began in earnest in, in 2008, and really did not complete its, uh, complete its full journey until uh, j really just this past year, um, in 2022. So uh, one of the first things that had to be done was the uh, maintenance and restoration of the exterior of the lighthouse itself and the keeper's quarters. Um, once that was taken care of, then that was that allowed people to go up into the lighthouse on a regular basis. And for the first time in its history, it was open on a regular basis uh, for visitors. Uh, the next thing was to uh, create a parking lot and do uh, some restoration work on the outbuildings. Um, so the county was able to get a fairly large federal grant to buy a piece of property just on the other side of the causeway and build a parking structure. Um, we built um, re restrooms. Um, they're just pit toilets, but we at least have restroom facilities uh, on, on the island. Uh, restored the outbuildings. Uh, the final or the third phase was to build a new welcome and interpretive center on Cana Island. Um, and that was completed in 2020, which so we opened in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but then the final phase was the interior restoration of the lighthouse and the keeper's quarters. And that's what was completed in 2022. Um, mm -hmm. So with that, we really fulfilled all four phases of that original plan. And now we continue to operate it as a, as a museum. Again, it's open seven days a week, May 1st through October 31st. Um, Cana Island is an island, uh, but it is connected to the rest of the peninsula by a natural causeway. Some years um, that causeway is wet or mm -hmm. underwater. Um, some years it is completely dry and basically walkable. Uh, starting in about 2016, uh, as water levels on the lake were rising, um, the board of directors uh, made the decision to buy a small John Deere tractor and a hay wagon to bring people back and forth across the wet causeway. Uh, that culminated in 2018 and 2019 when we had record high lake levels. Um, we had to buy, a, we went from a 300 series John Deere tractor to a 500 series John Deere tractor and a much larger and much higher hay wagon uh, to bring people back and forth because we had almost, we had three feet of water over the causeway. Um, flash forward to 2023, um, water levels are down dramatically and the causeway is for the most part dry. Um, people are able to walk across it. We still offer the hay wagon uh, and John Deere tractor uh, because it is a rocky, it's not like it's a gravel pathway, it's rocky. Um, yeah. For anyone with some mobility or balance issues, it's probably a better idea for them to take the hay wagon, but people do still walk across and they do it all the time. Uh, but the hay wagon really has become uh, one of the highlights of visiting Cana Island. Um, kids really love it. Actually, people of all kids of all ages really mm -hmm. love going across the causeway um, on the tractor. You get to the, uh, the new Welcome Interpretive Center. Um, that's where the museum store is. And then you can explore all of the outbuildings, including the barn, the historic privy, the oil house. Uh, again, the keeper's quarters and the lighthouse were fully restored uh, 
on the interior last year. They look absolutely beautiful. And then beginning with this year, we did some staging of those of several of the rooms in the keeper's quarters with period furniture so that it looks evocative of the 1920s, 1930s era. Wow. And yeah. of course you walked 97 steps up to the top. It's yeah. you know a spiral staircase, spiral iron staircase yeah. up to the deck. Um, and again, you able to look out over the Door Peninsula and Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the uh, the hay wagon. All I can think of is a local uh, apple orchard near me, where it's up on a hill, and people take a hay wagon, a tractor with a hay wagon, wagon up the hill to pick their apples. So your your use of a hay wagon is pretty uh, different than I've heard of before. That's, that's it is, and I should say there's no hay on the hay wagon. There are actually seats. It is comfortable. Uh, yeah. Like I said, that causeway, it's uh it's it's a rocky walk. So mm-hmm. it's it's bumpy, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh so you mentioned the lighthouse tower itself being pretty iconic, a popular subject for photography. It's very unusual looking. I don't know of any other lighthouse that looks quite like it, and that's largely uh because it has like exterior plating, this metal plating on the outside. Uh why does it look like that? Why well, why did that happen? So it was built out of what, uh, what we love to call um, Milwaukee Cream City brick, yep. um, that light, you know, kind of tan brick. Um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful building material. Um, it is a little more porous um, than other other kinds of bricks. Um, and once it was built, it took it was not very long before the the wind, waves, and weather of Lake Michigan really sort of made it evident that just having that plain brick was not going to last very long. So mm-hmm. the decision was made probably about 20 or 25 years after the lighthouse was built to completely clad it in steel. Um, and it has remained that way now for you know, 130 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. Again, built in 1969, 1869 uh, and still serving as an active aid to navigation. Now it is lit every night. Uh, the U.S. Coast Guard comes out and inspects that light on a regular basis. So it is definitely very much a an aid to navigation. So in 2019, it was a huge year for our organization. It was the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Door County Maritime Museum. It was the 100th anniversary of the Tug John Purvis. And it was the sesquicentennial of the Cana Island Lighthouse. And we did hold a sesquicentennial celebration. We had uh, 20 descendants of Cana Island Lighthouse keepers attend that event. Um, We also had a representative from the U.S. Coast Guard um, address the crowd that day. And he made the announcement to us um, that we were not, we we were very surprised, but very incredibly flattered and pleased to learn that the Coast Guard had determined that the original Fresnel lens at the Cana Island Lighthouse would remain in place in the lantern room of the lighthouse itself, um, based a lar- in a large part because of the great care that this museum and our volunteers uh, and our staff take to care for that Fresnel lens. So it is one of, I believe, only three Fresnel lenses on the Great Lakes that remain in its original location. Mm-hmm. We're very wow. proud of that. And we're very pleased to be able to continue to take great care of that lens and of the light, light station. Yeah. That lens is what order again? That is a third order. Uh-huh. So it's quite large. 
That is, that's so great. Uh, you know, uh, lenses and museums are nice. People get to get a good look at them, but uh, we all like to see them in their natural habitat, as some people have said. So, Absolutely. Uh, now, we, yeah. of course, we don't let uh, visitors go up into the very top level up by the Fresnel lens, but they yeah. certainly can see it when they uh -huh. climb up to the top and they're on the gallery deck. Um, but we also have a couple other Fresnel lenses uh, in our museums as well. Uh, we have one in, in uh, at Death's Door. We have three here in Sturgeon Bay. Um, then at the top of the Jim Crest Maritime Lighthouse Tower, we actually have a, a, a recreation of a Fresnel lens, of a, a sort of a truncated third order lens up there, where um, instead of being made of brass and glass, it's made of acrylic and aluminum. So it mm -hmm. is much, much lighter. <laughs> yeah. Was that by any chance made by Dan Spinella of uh, Artworks Florida? He, he's uh, made a lot of those acrylic guy, lenses. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. He is the guy. He is the guy. I've had him on the podcast. He's a great guy and he does amazing work. It really so. is. I mean, people look at it. And even people who know Fresnel lenses, they look at it and they go, I can't believe it's not the real thing. Yeah. Oh, same thing. There's uh one in Rhode Island, not too far from me. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you cannot tell a difference at all. They're gorgeous. Uh, so uh, maybe a little bit more about the history of Cana Island Lighthouse. Just uh, I'm wondering if there's anything that kind of stands out for you about the human history of the place. Maybe incidents that happened or uh, particular keepers, uh, families, whatever, anything, anything like that that stands there out for you. There are so many great stories and we're fortunate to have a lot of the keepers journals and some great excerpts, you know, everything from seeing Haley's Comet, talking about the passing of ships, the shipwrecks that have occurred. Um, there was a, a freighter, the Bartlemy, that wrecked off of Cana Island in the 1930s. And we actually have home movies of families picnicking on Cana Island and then rowing out to the Bartlemy, which at that point was still visible. It hadn't been, uh, been sunk yet. And then taking pictures and taking home movies from inside the Bartleby through portholes, looking back out onto Cana Island. Um, so just, you know, you can imagine over 150 years, um, some amazing stories uh, you hear. And again, talking about the, the metal cladding, the, the keepers writing that during, you know, major storms, the Alpina Gale being one of them in particular, where the waves and the water were coming up over the walls of the, of, of, of the around the island and into the basement and into the crawl space of the keeper's quarters. So, you know, we people always say, oh, Great Lakes, it's a lake. Well, no, it's an huh. inland sea. Yeah. And they are just as, they can be just as violent and just as dangerous and just as terrifying as any other ocean. So, um, yeah, they... Uh, they're, they're, it's a lot of fun living on the Great Lakes. Yeah. Well, I was out there last year. I was out in a uh, little bit of Wisconsin, but mostly Michigan, mostly the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, uh, and saw people surfing on uh, Lake Superior. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was so windy and the waves were so, so high. Uh, so I, I know what you're talking about. They oh, are very much uh, in the My yeah. youngest son likes to uh, surf and boogie board near Cana Island. Um, and just south of us, uh, Sheboygan and Manitowoc claim to be the surf capital of the Midwest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't surprise me uh, to hear that. I'm sure a lot of people are saying, what, surfing capital of the Midwest? That's, But yeah, for sure. Uh, so one of the important things I want to talk about today is the Door County Lighthouse Festivals. 
Yes. There were two each year, right? Every spring and fall. There's one coming up soon. When, when, what are the dates for this year's fall festival? So this year, um, our fall uh, lighthouse festival is September 29th through October 1. Um, like you said, we do it twice a year. We do one in spring, in June, first week of June, and then uh, again in fall, end of September, beginning of October, depending on, uh, on how the calendar falls. And those are weekends that we are offering a variety of different tours uh, by either boat, airplane, land, sea, that all, through some combination, you can reach all 11 of those lighthouses. There is the only tours that hit all 11 lighthouses in one tour are the airplane tours. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and so you can get in a small plane and fly around to all 11 lighthouses. Uh, plus we have three to our south, Kiwani um, and Green Bay and Algoma. But really those two weekends are some of the only times that you have access to at least a couple of the lighthouses that are generally not open to the public or not really reachable to the public. Uh, our friends uh, with Foppy obviously lead tours out to Plum and Pilot. We have tours that take you out to uh, Sherwood Point uh, and Chambers Island. Chambers Island is owned by the town of Gibraltar, uh, which is a municipality uh, here in Door County, but it's 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 remote. It's on it's on an island. And normally, the only way to access that island is by private boat or private plane. So we offer a, a group tour. Um, that's one of our more adventurous tours. It's a, about a forty minute boat ride from Fish Creek over to Chambers Island, and then it is a four mile round trip hike across Chambers Island to get to the lighthouse. Um, and that actually is a tour that I have led for for many years now, and I really enjoy my time um, uh, out on Chambers Island. Um, Sherwood Point is another lighthouse that is generally not open to the public. Um, that's here just south of Sturgeon Bay, and that is actually still owned by the Coast Guard. And uh, what it is operated as really is sort of a B&B &B for active or retired military personnel. Um, you can put your name in a hat and kind of a lottery. Um, I believe your chances of winning that lottery are increased by your seniority uh, in the military, uh, but then you can you get to stay in a historic lighthouse with your family in Door County mm -hmm. as a, again, either active or retired military personnel. Uh, but during our Lighthouse Festival weekends, it's blocked out for us, and folks have an opportunity to visit that very unique lighthouse as well. So uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, we offer, again, a variety of tours, anywhere from, you know, $35, $40 for a brief lighthouse and sunset tour, all the way up to, you know, five, $600 for some of those airplane tours. But even at that price point, that's for three people uh, mm -hmm. in the airplane tour. So yeah. it's all relatively reasonable. And, you know, lighthouse lovers obviously love to get here and love to see all 11 when they can and make sure they get those stamps in their passport. Yeah. Just a uh, ballpark, maybe what uh, kind of attendance do you get for this uh, festival? Uh, if the, yeah. Probably largely weather dependent, I would, I would guess. Weather is very, it does definitely very wet, weather dependent, uh, but we'll over the course of those two weekends, we'll get probably between three and 5,000 folks who participate mm -hmm. in one tour or another. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to the lighthouse tours, are there any other activities uh, that happen as part of the festival? Um, not, not during the lighthouse festival. 
Um, one other major event for the Door County Maritime Museum is our annual Classic and Wooden Boat Show. Um, that takes place in uh, early August. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, done in conjunction with uh, Sturgeon Bay's Maritime Week. Um, Sturgeon Bay, as a community, is a, an official U.S. Coast Guard city. Uh, we are one of 30 and the only one in Wisconsin and, frankly, one of the smallest communities um, to be officially designated by the United States Congress as a U.S. Coast Guard city. So we mm -hmm. all hold a salute to the Coast Guard every year. Um, it's timed around the beginning of August um, because, of course, our August 4th is the U.S. Coast Guard's birthday. The Classic and Wooden Boat Show is part of that. We will have probably between 50 and 60 classic and antique vessels in water around the museum on the prom the west waterfront promenade behind the museum uh, we have all sorts of different activities and stuff things for kids we have food vendors the opportunity to visit the museum as well and then one of the highlights is our sycaflex boat building challenge where you have teams of two people who take limited uh, materials and the sycaflex marine adhesive and they try and quickly build a boat on Saturday and then put it in the water on Sunday and see if it floats. And if it does float, then they have to try and complete a brief challenge course. <laughs> wow. The only thing I can think of that compares to that is the, there's a town in Maine, Damariscotta, on the Damariscotta River, and they have a pumpkin boat festival each year where people carve out pumpkin, giant pumpkins and gourds and actually paddle them and have a, a race on the river. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, that yeah, the, would be hilarious. I'd yeah. love to see that. But the boats there sound like they're maybe a little bit more seaworthy or lake worthy. That sounds great. I love, uh, you know, that antique boat shows, I think, are a lot of fun. So yeah. back to the, the Lighthouse Festival, I imagine people have to register in advance for the tours. Absolutely. Yeah, there are some tours that sell out um, because they have they're, they're either very popular or they have limited seating available. So if anyone is interested, you can always visit our website, which is dcmm.org, or Door County Maritime Museum, dcmm.org, or if you go to doorcountytickets.com and search for Lighthouse Festival, that's the, the service that we use to actually sell the tickets for the Lighthouse Festival. Mm -hmm. So once again, the website uh, for the museum is dcmm.org. Yeah, very good. So I have one final question for you, Sam, uh, for bonus points. Okay, so I hope you're hope you got your number two pencil sharpened uh, and got your thinking cap on. So the the final question is, what has been your favorite thing, and it could be things multiple, about your involvement with the Door County Maritime Museum? Um, I have to say, being a part of this most recent expansion of the museum has been so gratifying. Uh, as I said, I have lived in this community uh, for 22 years now, and I have come to love this community um, a great deal. I mean, I am not a native, uh, but uh, I am a, a local. I'm, I am. I live here year round, and I really, really have come to just absolutely love this place. Um, this is our home. This is our forever home, and to be able to be a part of building really an, an incredible landmark uh, on the west waterfront of Sturgeon Bay uh, in Door County and to know that you know my kids and their kids will be able to come back here 
and say, hey, look, there's that museum that grandpa helped put together, you know, that my dad or your grandfather put together. Um, that means an incredible amount to me because I want to be able to help continue to share what I think is the amazing stories of this community for future generations. So that has absolutely been the most gratifying thing I've, I've been a part of. Nicely said. Uh, your love for the for Door County for and for everything the museum does is, it comes through really strongly. Well, I appreciate uh, so. that. Thank you very much. Seems like a good match for you and the, the museum for sure. So Sam Perlman of the Door County Maritime Museum, I really appreciate you spending this time with me today and for filling me and our listeners in on the many activities of the Door County Maritime Museum and Cana Island Lighthouse, the maritime, the, I should say the Lighthouse Festival that's coming up soon and happens every spring and fall. But well, it's been great speaking with you and thank you so much, Sam. That was my pleasure, Jeremy. Thank you for the invitation. It was, it was really great chatting with you. To learn more about the Door County Maritime Museum and its activities, as well as Cana Island Lighthouse, visit dcmm.org. That's dcmm.org. So, Avery, we're in mid-September as we record this. Uh, is the season for your lighthouses wrapping up soon? Uh, fairly soon. We are still open on weekends, Friday through Monday, through September and October at both the Presque Isle Lighthouse and the Erie Land Lighthouse. So we're getting there, but we still have a couple of things going on for the rest of the season. Oh, that's great. Of course, a lot of lighthouses here in New England kind of really wind things down around Columbus Day weekend in October. So the fact that you're open to the end of October is a little different from, from here. So uh, this episode is being posted on September 17th. I see uh, there's what looks like a very interesting event at Presque Isle Lighthouse in just a few days, September 21st. So what's happening at that event? Sure. So we have um, every year, a couple of artists will do an artist class at the Lighthouse. And on September 21st, we have Marsha Hatton doing a, um, a wax painting. So she uses wax to create uh, colorful pieces of art, and they're typically inspired by Presque Isle State Park in the peninsula where our lighthouse is located. So we will be using the lighthouse as a backdrop for our wax painting, and then we are going to have a few other artist events through the rest of the season. We're also going to have some fright nights happening towards the end of October as well. So we've got a lot going on these next two months. Can you remind me, is there a website where people can get info about all that? Yes, absolutely. They can visit PresqueIsleLighthouse.org um, if they would like to learn a little bit more. Excellent. Excellent. That uh, sounds like a lot of fun, those things that are coming up. So I also want to mention two lighthouse cruises coming up in New England uh, in my neck of the woods in the next couple of weeks. On Sunday, September 24th, there will be an all-day lighthouse cruise out of Bar Harbor, Maine with Bar Harbor Whale Watch. I will be co-narrating that one. For more info, you can call Zach Cliver, K-L-Y-V-E-R, Zach Cliver at 207-460-9575 or email Zach at Main Coast Lights, M-A-I-N-E-C-O-A-S-T-L-I-G-H-T-S, Main Coast Lights at gmail.com. 
And on Friday, September 29th, Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses here in New Hampshire is holding a sunset sale aboard the Gundalow Piscataqua with music, food, and a silent auction. Check out PortsmouthHarborLighthouse.org. And that's Portsmouth, uh, spelled P-O-R-T-S-M-O-U-T-H, HarborLighthouse.org. Go there for more info on that event. The season is winding down at many places, but there's still lots of other lighthouse events coming up around the country, too. Yes, on October 7th, there will be a rare chance to climb the Sankety Head Lighthouse on Nantucket in Massachusetts. Visit SconsetTrust.org to learn more about that. That's Sconset, spelled S-C-O-N-S-E-T-T-R-U-S-T dot org. Yes, that's a great lighthouse, Sankety Head. On October 14th, the Fire Island Lighthouse in New York, where I just visited in May, another really great lighthouse. There will be a Lightkeepers Behind the Scenes Tour. That's October 14th. Learn how the lightkeepers of years past maintained the light. Visit fireislandlighthouse.com to learn more. And we also have Cape Canaveral Lighthouse down south in Florida. We'll have an open house on October 21st. The event includes time at the lighthouse, museum, and gift store, and also a look inside Hangar C, which is home to a tremendous collection of artifacts from the Air Force Space and Missile Museum. Check out canaverallighthouse.tours to learn more. That's Canaveral spelled C-A-N-A-V-E-R-A-L lighthouse.tours to learn more. Yeah, I didn't know there was such a thing as dot .tours as a, as a URL, uh, but I, I found that out recently. So yeah, I didn't Can- either. CanaverallLighthouse.tours. So, of course, that is just a sampling of the upcoming events. I'll also mention that I'll be speaking about New England's haunted lighthouses at the Plum Island Hall in Newburyport, Massachusetts, on September 20th at 7 p.m. That's open to the public. I'll be speaking on the same topic at the Northfield, New Hampshire Library at 6 p.m. on September 26th. As summer comes to a close and the fall season starts, uh, do you have a quote you'd like to share with us, Avery? I sure do. Uh, The native Hawaiian author and musician, and apologies if I mispronounce this, uh, Ka'ala once wrote, Autumn teaches us the beauty of letting go. Growth requires release. It's what the trees do. Yeah, I love that quote. Thank you so much for co-hosting today, Avery. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope we can do it again sometime. I very much enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I am always game for talking about Great Lakes Lighthouses. I I can tell you are. I know you are. That's why I asked you. So uh, thank you again, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. In next week's episode, we'll be talking about Cape Blanco Lighthouse in Oregon. With that, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thanks so much for listening, and keep a good light. I'm going to let it shine everywhere I